In this episode, I'm gonna share the five things that I wish I knew before I started an e-commerce store. You're listening to The Liftoff Show, the podcast for ambitious e-commerce entrepreneurs, helping you increase sales, profits, and build a powerhouse brand fast. I'm your host, Austin Lovell, and welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Liftoff Show. And before I get into those five things that I honestly wish I knew before I started my first e-commerce store, I wanted to talk a bit about what's happened before this, what has led up to this point before I launched my first store back in November of last year, before we relaunched earlier this year in February and everything in between. So I started my journey in sort of the business space, creating video content as a freelancer when I was 17. I was doing video content for my YouTube channel, trying to post content, have a bit of fun with it. And then my goalkeeper coach used to play soccer back then. And my goalkeeper coach said to me one time, he knew I was making these videos and he said, hey, I've got all this footage, I'll pay you to edit it for me. And that was the first time I'd been exposed to, you know, getting paid to do that kind of work. And I was like, this is amazing. $50 to edit these together. This is incredible. I'm bowling out. I'm loving life. And so from there, I kept picking up these freelance jobs, doing weddings, doing different types of video content, events, promotional videos for the school I was at, and a whole bunch of additional content, just experimenting with everything. And from there, as soon as year 12 finished, as soon as I finished high school, jumped straight into doing it more full time. And obviously in school, I was limited. You know, I wanted to still stay consistent to the studies, do all the different things that were coming up, but also make videos and make video content, learn more about marketing and advertising. And so soon as high school was finished, I had a really good opportunity to jump headfirst into it all. And I started making more freelance content, working with a bunch of local brands and companies. I worked with some real estate companies, car brands. That was a lot of fun doing content for Lamborghini, Audi, McLaren, and a bunch of other brands as well. And it's just a smorgasbord of content, really. And then from there, it ended up evolving into T minus, which was the first time I had a real crack at video ads for e commerce. And that was in July of last year. So, about 12 months ago at this point. And what I was doing was reaching out to local brands saying, hey, if you just give me some product for free, I'll shoot content for you to use for your ads. And just let me experiment. Just give me the product. I'll shoot it. I'll do it all. You don't need to pay a cent. And so I got, you can't really call them clients, but I got some products to shoot content with. And I was shooting some headphones. Uh, I was shooting, you know, speakers uh, for Bang & Olufsen. I was doing some soaps and some like uh, bathwares and things for a local brand here in Adelaide and a bunch of other smaller projects. And what I learned from that was that the types of content I was creating, I was trying to go for the overly high production value content. You know, I was shooting it in this studio environment. It wasn't really a studio. It was a in my apartment. I set up this backdrop, this white sheet, and then shown some like LED lights onto it, used a turntable, um, one that you put in a bedside table to use as a turntable to get rotating shots of products. I'd then mask it out, make it look all really cool in the edit, add some funky music and some text. And I thought, these ads are revolutionary. This is going to change everything. And little did I know that those ads just don't convert. Uh, they were too polished. They just didn't do what was meant needed to be done when it came to ad creative. They just looked too polished. There was no core messaging. There was no reason for someone to watch them. And so that was my introduction into e-commerce advertising. And then from there, we started picking up a few clients. We rejigged our approach and then, you know, working with probably eight to 10 brands by the end of 2020. 
and really pushed all in into e-commerce brands advertising. I was becoming obsessed with e-commerce in general. I was trying to figure out, okay, the ad creative is one part of it. That's obviously used in the advertising, but how does that fit into the greater machine? How does that all come together to get results. And so I started looking at conversion rate optimization. I started looking at how to run Facebook ads. I started looking at how to build a brand that people care about. You know, I was looking at all of these things that come under the umbrella of e-commerce. And around that time, I'd experimented ages ago with trying to launch a product, get sales for a product using the dropshipping method. And I thought, I think it's now a good time to have another crack at this. I thought, okay, we've created a lot of video ads, probably a couple of hundred by that point for brands locally and internationally. And they were using them in their campaigns and getting really, really good results. And I thought, well, if they're doing it for their brands, and this was how simple I was thinking of it as, I was thinking, okay, if they can do it for their brands, and little did I know they have brand, they have you know huge community, they have a lot of social proof, loads of things, and they're spending a lot on ads, so they really get to test creative, and they know their audience. And I was like, okay, if that works for them, then surely, surely it can work if I launch a brand or a store and just give this a go, create our own video ads and try and build something. And so my first crack at it was this time last year, it was literally the same time that I jumped into creating video ads for e-commerce brands. I did it at the same time, probably the worst thing to do, but it taught me a lot about e-commerce. It taught me a lot about what not to do. <laughs> it taught me a lot more about what not to do versus what to do. And the first brand I tried to launch was one called Keys. And Keys was a leather key organizer. You basically put all your keys in there. It's like a stack. And then you can rotate your keys out. It keeps them organized. The whole angle we were going for was that like minimalist everyday carry. And, you know, there was a few brands uh, around the place. There was one here in Australia, uh, Orbit Key. There was some other competitors uh, internationally as well. And I saw cool, they're selling this product, they're getting great results, the community is amazing, they've got loads of awesome content. Like, Surely we can find an avenue into this market that they're not tapping into. And so launched Keys, the problem with Keys, and I still use the product, I ordered some of the product obviously because we're shooting our own content, I ordered it in and now I use it. I still use it every day and it's sort of a reminder of what not to do. And this is why, because I spent a considerable amount of money on making creative. I went over the top versus what we do for clients. I thought of, of trying to take it to the next level, working with you know some really good models, working in some great locations and shooting some next level content, editing it together in some really interesting ways. And it just costs a lot of money to do off, off the bat. And there was no sales. There was no proven track record. This was a brand new brand. Uh, and I call it a brand, but it was really a branded one product store. And so I launched it. I had these high hopes. I thought this is going to be the thing that makes it big. This is going to be sales flooding in. I'm going to have to hire a team next week. It's just going to, you know, going to be featuring all this press. Like this brand is going to be a mega brand. And honestly, I just thought like, this is gonna work. You know, I had confidence in the creative, confidence in the branding, the positioning. It was very me. It was a very me brand. I think that was one of the faults and that's what I'll talk about later. But built it, launched it and crickets, nothing. No sales, nothing at all. And spent a good like 150, 200 bucks. It's a product that was 15 to $25. So the, you know, the cost per purchase number, like when we spend a good couple of hundred bucks on ads and there's no results, there's no purchase intent, I'm like, what have I done? You know, I've spent all this time trying to build something and I haven't even validated that people actually want it and that our messaging really resonates with our target customer. So that was a huge learning experience. I quickly turned that off because I thought, um, you know, I'm basically pouring money straight down the drain and I just left it. I said, okay, I'm gonna ignore brands for a while. I'm gonna go into ad creative, into video ads and really nail this. And I thought, 
that's that's it for ecom brands for me for the moment. Let's just focus on getting client results. Let's focus on making sure we create the very, very best video ads we can. And from there, we're doing that. We're getting some clients, you know, building up, getting some great results for them. They were loving their video ads. And then it got to November of last year, um, November 2020. And I thought, okay, let's give this another crack because it'd been a couple of months. I was sort of itching to go again. I wanted something to work on that was like our brand versus just creating video ads for clients, which I love and the team loves it. But I thought like, let's do this again. I want to have another crack at this. I feel like I've no, that was just a trial run. It didn't work out well, but that's not going to be the end for me. I have to give this another go. And so launched another brand in November uh, and it was called Solar Garden. So Solar Garden, the whole branding was around being this Aussie solar garden light that can stand up against the Aussie climate. And, you know, we sort of developed this ideal customer. We sort of figured out exactly who that was and we started selling to the Australian market and with Keys made a big mistake and tried to sell all over the world. And instead of focusing on one core market where we know the product was gonna be relevant, we could cater the messaging, the copy, the ad creative, all to that one audience. And so Solar Garden was born. I saw the product. I saw a lot of potential in it. And I thought, okay, let's jump into this. Let's do this the right way. Let's take everything of what not to do with keys and let's apply it here to Solar Garden and let's actually have a fair crack at it and launch that, build a brand around it. Again, it was a one product store and it was drop shipping. So fulfilling it through a local warehouse here in Australia. And so the shipping times are good. I thought the branding looks good. The messaging looks good. We've got good ad creative. Let's do it again. And so again, the big difference here, I think was I wasn't attached to the end result. With Keys, I was like thinking all the time, thinking this is gonna be amazing. Like this is gonna be my brand. This is gonna grow so, so fast. And so I got really attached to it. So when it came time to turn it off, I probably should have turned it off a few weeks earlier. I probably should have killed that brand a lot sooner, but I had this attachment to it. And I thought, if only I give it a few more days, if only I do this, if only I change that, if only I make new ad creative and create new copy or change the website. And I was wrong because <laughs> I should have seen the early signs and the warning signs, but you know, I had you know, love hearts in my eyes. I thought this is amazing. And so going on from that, I thought, okay, I'm not gonna be attached to Solar Garden. The end result, I'm not fussed. If it works, if it doesn't, that's fine. I'm just gonna create it, do the best that I can, and I'm gonna launch it out there and do everything right based on what I've learned, based on all the research that I'd done, and so I launched it and I wasn't attached to it. I thought, okay, if this gets results, great. If not, that's fine. And sales started coming in. I heard the Shopify cha-ching for the first time. <laughs> that's a big moment. Um, and so I was testing that out and started getting more traction. And I thought, okay, this is interesting. I've just launched it with you know, a pretty basic ad method. And I thought, this is pretty cool. You know, something that I've made is starting to get sales. And especially after coming off the back of the keys experience. There was another attempted e-commerce experience like earlier on when I was eight, uh, probably 17, where I tried to launch a, a bracelet with a free plus shipping offer. It was called uh, Apollo Apparel. And so that was a very, very interesting time. That's when I was getting into the whole e-commerce space, like learning about it for the first time. And I thought, this is amazing. You know, I had the shiny object syndrome and I built that, but I digress, you know, that didn't work. And then obviously keys not working. I was like, okay, solar garden, starting getting sales, a bit surprised. I was like, okay, this is starting to work. You know, starting to get small amount of sales each day, but it's profitable. And I thought time to scale it up. So I kept pushing it, pushing it until it got to a point in November of last year where I had to pause it because our ad account got disabled. Ad account got disabled, the supply ran out of product. There was like a bunch of random things that all happened at the same time. And I was like, 
Well, this is, this is just my luck right now. I finally find the winner and then it just stops. And then I'm back to square one. I'm back to you know trying to rebuild from the ground up, trying to switch to a new ad account, trying to get things moving again. And I just ended up pausing it again. And so you know, fast forward through to February of this year, I was like, okay, third time around, new ad account, new approach, fresh creative. It was already profitable the first time. So let's do it better this time. And so relaunched and started getting more sales. It was back on track. It was like right in the peak of like the prime buying season because we were selling garden lights that could stand up against the Aussie sun, weatherproof, could you know rain, hail or shine. They're gonna be working and they're gonna turn on and off automatically every night in your garden. So we were leading into you know February, end of summer, moving into autumn. And it was like, okay, cool. People are gonna start buying these garden lights because they want them to be around through winter when the nights are longer, uh, days are shorter and there's more darkness outside. And so they wanna light up their garden. Plus they're gonna stand up if they get rained on, if there's any bad weather. And so we thought this is that prime time. And it was, and we're getting sales, we're scaling up. You know, we're selling a lot of product each day. We're hitting, you know, the first 1K day. The, the first day was like 200 bucks. And I'm like, this is, this is awesome. And then we hit $400 and I was like, okay, <laughs> we just doubled. And then we hit, you know, $800. And then we went back to 500, then back to 200. Then we went up to a thousand and we hit our first 1K day. And I was like, this is amazing. You know, something that we just built online. I built the store. I set it as a challenge to myself to build it in two days. And I thought, if I'm really going to be detached from this and not attached to the end result, I just need to do it fast and just build it out and just make sure it's really good and I've done my best and then launch it and stop trying to hang on to it and trying to make it perfect. And that's something I'll chat about later on as well. And so from there, we're getting more sales, more sales. 1K day turned into 2K days. 2K days turned into a few 3K, 4K, 5K days. And then one night I remember my phone was just, it was buzzing off the hook. And my girlfriend, we were sitting there and the Shopify ching just kept going off and off and off. And it was a Sunday sort of afternoon. It was around midday. I think it was like one o'clock and we checked and it was at like three, 4K for the day. And I'm like, this is nuts. What's going on? And meanwhile, the ad spend was staying pretty consistent. It wasn't like we were spending 5K that day and we ended up hitting an 8K day. It was pretty consistent, spending around 1200 bucks, $1,300 a day. And so we're scaling up again, like it wasn't the best profit margins, but we're getting sales. And I was like, this is really cool. We can refine it over time. And so from there, we hit that 8K day. It was ridiculous. It just kept buzzing and buzzing and buzzing. I kept hearing that cha-ching. I'm like, this is ridiculous. And then from there, we ran into stock issues, ran into cash flow issues, and we had to pause it again. And so that's where we're at. The brands are paused. And this is what I've learned through that e-commerce journey. And it's a very small one in terms of numbers that we hit. We took Solar Garden from zero to about 62K in revenue, 62K in revenue in five weeks. And so we launched it, scaled it up to that number. It was on a really good upward trajectory. So it was a, um, it was a bit of a shame that we had to pause it, but we're relaunching it soon. We're better creative, new approach, new brand, and going for it third time around. So what I've learned from that, there was a lot of things I wish I knew back at the start that would have saved me thousands. And I know I tried to learn from all of the you know big thought leaders in the e-commerce space when it came to ad creative, when it came to brand building, and when it came to finding the right products. And I was looking at a lot of different people's you know opinions and sort of their strategies and trying to figure out what works. And I ignored some, ignored some of the key things. And these are the top five things that honestly, I wish I knew when I was first getting started, before I launched Keys, before I even tried to do Apollo Apparel, before I launched Solar Garden for the first time, and before I tried a bunch of these other smaller products and one product stores. And so let's jump into the five things I wish I knew before I started my first e-commerce store. And the first one is be customer centric. When I launched, I thought this is all me, me, me. I'm like, 
I've got a product. I'm going to get it on the store. I'm going to run ads to it. And people are going to buy it. And then I'm going to be rich. Like it's going to work. It's just going to make sense. And people are going to love it. There's going to be great feedback. I'm going to get all this UGC. And I was just f- so focused on the brand and the product that I ignored who I was actually putting it in front of. And that's the, obviously the customer. And the messaging was off. The way we were positioning it was off. It was a key organizer. And we're talking about people having keys in their pocket, how it's a huge inconvenience, how it scratches your phone and your leather wallet it's not really that much of a problem for people. That's what we found out. The number one hair on fire problem we're trying to address wasn't actually that, you know, it wasn't really a major problem for the target customer. So it ended up not resonating because we're focusing too much on the product and the brand and the end result versus what the customer actually wants. And in that audience, it was a really high quality, you know, key organizer. It was all about having a simple everyday carry. And it was a much more select target audience who had an appreciation for like minimalist design, you know, tech, everyday carry, that kind of thing. And so we we're completely off with the messaging because we we're focusing on the product and the brand, not the customer. So that was the first one. If I could go back, I would definitely say stop worrying about the product and the brand. You've got to focus relentlessly on the customer. Your messaging, your branding, your ad copy, your ad creative needs to be speaking to them. It needs to be speaking, communicating with them about the current issue that they're facing. It needs to show how your product is the solution to that. Stop stop worrying about how cool it looks, how great it looks on camera, how fancy the ad creative looks. It's not important. It's focusing on what the customer actually wants. Number two, sell products people want to buy. And this is going back to number one, but I grabbed this key organizer and I thought this is the product that's going to make me millions because it's so cool. Like why wouldn't everybody want this? And so I fell into this trap of getting obsessed with the product again. And I wasn't selling something that people actually wanted. And even though there were competitors that were selling the product, we didn't really have a key USP. What was our differentiator? There was none. So you would just go for Orbit Key no, 10 times out of 10, 11 times out of 10, because it's a better brand. There's more social proof. They've more established, better choices, you know, better pricing and shipping, like all of those things, better brand story. It's just undoubtedly, it's not even a question you would go with them. So, you know, I was trying to sell a product to a market with no social proof, with, you know, no proven track record, with no key differentiator between us and the competitors. And so I was trying to sell a product that people really didn't want. And so it's not obviously sustainable to sell products like that. You need to have a product that people actually want to buy, that people are interested to buy. They, they want to buy that. It's desirable. It's going to help them. It's going to solve their problem. And it's different from what other people are offering in the industry. Moving on to number three. The third thing I wish I knew is look at the numbers. So when I was looking at what products to launch or what stores to build, I was looking at some very basic metrics. I was looking at what are the daily sales for this on AliExpress? You know, what is my plugin showing me on Google Chrome? What's that showing me and telling me about the sales numbers and the trajectory? And what's like the the rising star percentage? Like, is this gonna be a winning product? Instead, I should have used more trend data. I should have looked at Google Trends. I should have used different data to validate whether these products were actually going to sell instead of relying on sort of a gut instinct because I think there's a time and a place to rely on that gut instinct. And I know it's when you have more confidence, you know what products are gonna work well, you know the vibe and the pulse of the market. And so you know if you're gonna launch a product, chances are it's gonna be successful. But at that time, I had no business doing that. I had no, you know, no reason to rely on my gut instinct because I hadn't launched a successful product before. I hadn't built a brand before. So me relying on a gut instinct and saying, this is gonna work when I had no track record, 
The worst thing I could have done. Worst idea ever. And so definitely looking at the data. If I could go back and tell myself, look at the trend data. Don't get attached to a product. Look at if it's selling. Look at how things are trending. Is it a popular topic? Can you ride this popular wave and make this product launch successful? Or is it a product that you just like the look of and people won't actually buy it? So that's number three. That's what I tell myself is look at the numbers. Look at the data. And number four, let go of perfection. The keys example again, trying to build a store that looks so great, looks so polished, so professional, spent a lot of money on building the store, spent a lot of money on ad creative, spent a lot of money on making sure it was ready for launch and spent a considerable amount of money on ad spend only to get no sales, to get absolute crickets, no one buying. And so, you know, what that taught me is that really you got to let go of perfection. You've got to launch fast. You've got to validate new products fast and then you've got to scale fast. But if it's not working and it's not performing well, I've got to not be attached to the product. You know, you've got to let it go. You've got to kill those losers. You have to decide when is the time to pull the plug, to kill that brand, to kill that product and say, hey, it's not working. I'm not going to sink any more time into it. But at least I know now I've validated that that is not a good product to pursue. So that is number four, letting go of perfection. And even with a new campaign or new ads or new ad sets or all of these different things, Now, I just find the products that work. I identify what ad creative I think is going to work best based on the data, based on what is actually working right now. And then we make it. And then we don't worry if it's not 100%. If it's 80% the way there, then it's going to produce the majority of the results. We're not worried about that final 20% trying to, you know, nitpick over the minor details. There's a time and a place for that. But when launching new products and brands early and with no experience, I would go back and tell myself, hey, stop focusing on that stuff. Just go ahead and do it imperfectly for the first time and get it out there. And then the last one, I think this is my favorite out of all of them. Number five, keep it simple. Honestly, (laughs) I knew this time and time again back then. I was told this. I saw it. I thought I had embedded it in my brain, but obviously not (laughs) as we look back. And that's number five is keep it simple. And so keep your site simple. Keep your Facebook campaign simple. Keep your ad creative simple. And I fell into this trap of trying to overcomplicate things because I thought e-commerce was an overcomplicated beast. It was an overcomplicated system where you had to do random things to just to get sales. But the fact of the matter is, if you have a really good product and you market it in a really effective way and you actually talk to the customer and you meet them at the conversation they're already having in their head and you show them that your product is going to move them away from that pain and towards pleasure, it becomes so much more simple. And all of a sudden, you're not trying to market a product to people that don't care with random techniques and advanced Facebook strategies and random ad creative that you saw on this YouTube video and you thought, I need to do that. Or you're not buying all these courses because you're trying to figure out what to do and how to do it. But as soon as I realized just keeping it simple and I, I applied that ethos to Solar Garden and we've applied that ethos to Crafted, uh, our ad agency, our video ad agency. And over the past couple of weeks, like the types of creative we're making is so much more simple because it's native style. It's what actually converts right now and what grabs attention. We've moved away, look, I've sort of cut the tether from the old style of creative we used to make which just doesn't convert that well anymore. Like we were just finding that we're spending all of this time, money and energy to make video ads for clients. They just wouldn't work. And then the clients would say, hey, these are not working. They'd end up leaving us. And we'd be sitting there thinking, but surely these video ads work. We were ignoring what was actually going on, which is that native raw style video ads convert disproportionately better than the rest. And so number five is obviously keep it simple. Keeping the site simple. Stop overcomplicating site design. You'll see some of these huge brands. A real awesome example is the Udi. If you look at the Udi's website, 
I'm fairly sure it's built on the basic Shopify theme. And I think that's incredible. Like that's a awesome example that you don't need to have a overcomplicated site that looks like it was made for $50,000 just to build a powerhouse brand. And the Udi is doing ridiculous numbers. They built something incredible. And you can see it's just on a simple site, but the messaging is on point. The images are on point. Everything just speaks to the ideal customer but the site, it's not overcomplicated. So that was number one. Number two is obviously keeping your Facebook campaign simple. I was under the impression that to get great results, you needed to have greatly complex Facebook campaigns. You needed to overcomplicate it to the nth degree. You need to have advanced bid strategies and cost cap and bid cap. And you need to use CBOs right off the bat with advanced lookalike audiences and setting up your pixel events so that you can form this like retargeting funnel. And it's just not necessary. It's just giving Facebook liquidity. And that was a phrase that I heard, I think it was a few weeks ago from the founder of Jarvis AI um, and Proof, the social proof pop-up. Dave, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I think it's Rojan Moser. I hopefully pronouncing that right. And he says in one of the videos where he's talking about writing copy with the platform, he's saying, just giving Facebook liquidity. And he kept saying it, giving Facebook liquidity. And like he say, we're gonna leave all of these options on automatic. And when he said why, he's like, to give Facebook liquidity. And I'm like, that's crazy. You know, when there's all of these videos, all of these advanced Facebook strategies saying this is the only way to get results, when realistically, Facebook's a very, very smart machine. And we know that, you know, you know that. It's an incredibly smart piece of tech. And everything that goes on behind the scenes, Facebook has all of these data points on every person that uses the platform. So why don't we just trust them to do what they do best? There's so much money being spent on Facebook ads. Why don't we just trust the algorithm to deliver our ads to the people that need to see it? And instead of going into manual placements and saying, oh, I only want my videos to be on, you know, Facebook and Instagram newsfeed placements because they're the most profitable placements. Or I want to limit my daily budget. I want to use a CBO and then, you know, hyper segment my video ads into different ads and then go ahead and test different creative and copy and then crop it a certain way. Like, once I heard the liquidity statement, once I actually tested it and we saw it with some clients, we started promoting a way of doing things where it's just simple. Even for some of the ads we're running for a client, we just decided let's ditch all of our trying to be advanced strategies, trying to think that we're really you know, top dog with Facebook ads when we're not and just stick to simplicity, stick to giving Facebook liquidity, not overcomplicating it, not trying to constrain the algorithm, but just giving it the freedom to do what it does best, get results and get our ads in front of the people that need to see the product. So that was the last bit. And then keeping the ad creative simple. And I've talked about this in a previous episode about the whole CGC style of video ads we're creating now native, real, raw, seems like it's from customers and it's just performing so much better. And it's weird because it takes less time to make, it's cheaper to make and it just performs disproportionately better. And it's just this huge asymmetry. And as soon as we started making this style of video ads, the results started going up. It took us less time to do, took less money to create. Obviously the systems are behind the scenes to make sure it's really, really top tier stuff but it just performs better because you're swimming with the current of the social platforms. You're swimming with the current of the ad platforms and people are on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube, TikTok, Pinterest, Snapchat, whatever platform it is to consume content. They're not there to consume ads. And so as soon as we grabbed that and we put it together with, you know, sort of this understanding of exactly who the ideal customer is and what they really, really want, all of a sudden we're able to make these ads that just perform so much better. And it was keeping it simple. It's saying, well, if a customer wants to hear how the product can get them from A to B, from their current situation to the desired situation, 
How about we just have a customer talk about that experience in a video ad? Instead of trying to highlight it with fancy value props and cool transitions and awesome filters and all that kind of stuff and fancy call to action end frames and ridiculous hooks, all that kind of stuff. It's like, why don't we just have a customer talk about their experience? And all of a sudden performs better. So that is the final one keeping it simple. So to recap on those five things I wish I knew before I started an e-commerce store is number one, be customer centric. Number two, sell products people wanna buy. Number three, look at the numbers. Number four, let go of perfection. And number five, keep it simple. So I really hope you enjoyed this episode where I've broken down, honestly, some of my biggest mistakes when it's come to building an e-commerce store for the first time, the rookie mistakes. It was literally amateur hour when I was making these stores. And so if I could go back in time and tell myself these five things and tell myself what not to do, I'm sure I could have built you know, the stores to a much higher level and at least saved a lot of money and a lot of time in the process. So hopefully you can take some value from this if you're starting your first store or you're scaling up and maybe you've realized that you're making one or two of these mistakes, or maybe these are things that you just haven't thought about yet. Hopefully this can give you some insight. Hopefully this can be valuable in some way. So I really appreciate you tuning into this episode. And if you did get any value out of the podcast today, what I would absolutely love, this would mean the world to me, if you could go ahead and leave a review on your podcast platform. So if you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts, simply, I think you just scroll down the episode and you can leave a rating. It's literally probably going to take you 15 to 45 seconds just to leave a review. And that would mean the absolute world to me. And if you really got loads of value out of the podcast and you want to do one better, you could screenshot this episode and post it on your Instagram story. That would be incredible. And I just want to get the word out here about the podcast and share all of the strategies and all of the pitfalls and all the things and the mistakes that I've made and all of the things that we're learning, having worked with 30 plus brands, creating hundreds, if not thousands of video ads by this point. And overseeing over 2.5 million in ad spend over the past 10 months or so with our video ads alone. And so if you wanted to share the podcast, that would be incredible. I'd really, really appreciate it. So with that being said, I appreciate you tuning in and I'll see you in the next episode.